0: Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. So, we're going to move forward to our uh, next session, um, and we're, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the um, specialized treatment options and uh, newer modalities for treatment of resistant hypertension. So, you know, we did talk about um, the general approach um, in terms of three drug regimens and spironolactone, but of course, approach can be tailored by comorbidities as well. And I'll just highlight a few of them here, especially since we're at a cardiology conference. So certainly in patients with heart failure with re- uh, reduced ejection fraction, sacubitril valsartan, which has substantial blood pressure effect. Um, MRAs have an indication, SGLT2s, which you'll hear more about uh, later on in the talks. Uh, Uh, as well as hydralazine and nitrates in African-Americans would all be indicated for the heart failure and would be appropriate uh, uh, for hypertension as well. And we've seen a a real uh, change in the management of heart failure with preserved ejection fraction over the last couple of years as well. There are now indications for MRAs such as spironolactone or eplerinone, SGLT2s, and of course, sucubitral valsartan in those groups as well. And I don't think we should forget about, and I think we're appreciating more at the American Heart Association, the interplay between the kidney and the heart. So in patients with CKD and and diabetes with albuminuria, certainly or ARBs are indicated there. We're seeing, and there will be more data on sdlt 2s in that particular group, and for those um, that don't know about uh, the drug, finarenone um, is emerging in this place as well, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in subsequent sessions. So, in terms of you, the fourth-line hypertensive agent, we've uh, heard a bit about spironolactone, and I wanted to go through the trial data for this. So this is the Pathway 2 trial, and this was um, patients uh, who uh, were on multi-drug regimens with resistant hypertension who were then randomized essentially sequentially to either placebo- uh, spironolactone, doxazosin, or bisoprolol. And what you can see here, um, the bar in the red is the uh, blood pressure reduction with systolic being at the top and diastolic being at the bottom for spironolactone was the greatest, um, about eight points greater than uh, placebo and about four points or so uh, greater than doxazosin or bisoprolol. Um, in terms of the systolic blood pressures. And this really forms much of the basis um, for the recommendation about spironolactone as a fourth-line agent. Now, you may have caught on some of the earlier slides, uh, one of the issues to take into account once you're in this fourth, fifth, sixth-line agent um, uh, area is heart rate. So if you have a patient who Uh, remains with an elevated heart rate despite being on multiple medications in the course of their antihypertensive therapy, there is rationale to actually try to add agents such as uh, beta blockers to decrease their heart rate. And much of this comes from secondary analyses, and I've uh, presented them here. The first one here is the life study. You can see uh, the graph on the right essentially for risk of new onset heart failure for those patients with a heart rate above 84 while on treatment versus patients below a heart rate below 84. Additionally, heart rate, either a change or increase of uh, 10, mil, uh, 10 beats per minute or um, just persistence of elevated heart rate were major uh, predictors of adverse outcome in that study. And then, of course, the VALUE study, which is Valsartan um, antihypertensive use, a similar sort of thing where they actually looked at uh, quintiles of heart rate while on therapy. And the highest um, quintile of heart rate had the highest uh, risk for the composite adverse outcome of uh, CV death, heart failure hospitalization, nonfatal MI, and emergency revascularization. So again, thinking about heart rate once you're into that fourth or fifth or sixth line uh, therapy area is uh, important. And how about um, fifth and sixth line therapy options? We've heard a little bit earlier about uh, direct vasodilators. I'll just point out hydralazine, especially um, with nitrates in heart failure with reduced ejection fraction in African-Americans has a lot of data uh, in the heart failure space. And then I'll mention here as a sixth uh, line agent or as a last option, as Dr. Bacchus would say, uh, minoxidil. Um, This is uh, mentioned in the uh, guidelines and um, can be very effective, but I will say um, it needs to be monitored very carefully. Um, There's certainly a reflex tachycardia that comes with this, so use with a beta blocker is very important. There's volume overload, which often manifests itself as pericardial effusion, and certainly um, there's hair growth. And so um, it's not always wanted hair growth, especially um, in our female um, uh, patients. So moving forward, I want to talk a little bit about device-based therapies for resistant hypertension. And much of the um, pathophysiologic basis for this is based on the fact that there's substantial CNS input or sympathetic activation Um, within the pathophysiology of resistant hypertension. And I'll highlight a few trials in this area. So uh, Diener HTN um, was published back in uh, 2015 in The Lancet, and this was about 50 patients in each arm, so randomized to uh, renal denervation versus um, uh, blood pressure control uh, medication. And you can see that there's a substantial decrease in terms of systolic blood pressure uh between uh the two arms with uh the fa with it favoring renal denervation. So this was kind of one of the first large studies that was uh, published in this area. And then we'll move forward a a few years, uh, just in the last uh, year or so, the spiral on med data, the three-year data was uh, published. And again, this was around 50-ish patients in uh, both arms. This is patients on anywhere between one and three antihypertensive medications, still uncontrolled with blood pressures generally in the 150-plus range, And what you can see on the graphs there are the 24-month in the top row and then the 36-month in the bottom row uh, blood pressures with the first column being the uh, 24-hour systolic blood pressure, and then I'll point you towards the last column being the clinic blood pressures. And again, a substantial difference in favor of uh, uh, device therapy here um, for these patients with uh, drug-resistant or partially drug-resistant blood pressure. And then I'll finish um, with the Radiance uh, TRIO study. Um, this was about 130 patients with uncontrolled hypertension despite the use of um, three medications. And this was actually kind of um, prescribed three medications, including a diuretic. And what I'm showing you here on the panel on the left is the renal denervation group. You can see there just under 70 patients. The panel on the right is the sham control group. Um, here. And what you're looking at is um, 24-hour blood pressures. And the first part of each panel is the daytime blood pressure. And the second part is the nighttime blood pressure. And you can see that the change, so the blue line is pre and the red line is a couple months post, the change in blood pressure is greater in the renal denervation arm than in the sham arm. So, uh, I think you'll see more in terms of, uh, uh on Monday, there will be, uh, further data about, um, the spiral on med, uh, study that's presented as a, a late breaker, but I also want to point towards newer pharmacotherapy that's in development here. Um, so you'll see, uh, Baxterostostat, um, and that's a non, uh, steroidal inhibitor of the mineralocorticoid receptor, um, has been shown to reduce proteinuria in CKD patients and, uh, there's a Phase two study that's going to be presented uh, here uh, at AHA, um, which is randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled. Uh, so be on the lookout f- uh, for that. And then, of course, aprocetentin, um, which is a dual uh, endothelial receptor antagonist. And the PRECISION trial, which you've heard a little bit about and we'll talk more about in a few minutes, is going to be presented uh, with nearly 2,000 patients here at, uh, uh, at AHA as well. So the key message is is recommended, of course, as the fourth-line agent-resistant uh, hypertension, and that's based on the Pathway 2 trial. Direct vasodilators, such as hydralazine and minoxidil, can be used as uh, fifth- and sixth-line agents. Certainly need to watch out for side effects, especially with uh, minoxidil. And uh, there are therapies, device-based therapies on the way that are targeting the impact of the sympathetic nervous system uh, on, on resistant hypertension. And then, of course, endothelin receptor antagonism is being presented uh, here at uh, AHA 2022 and may be on the horizon depending on the results. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative.